Hey, what's going on? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast and Source Find Asia. So uh, this podcast is a little bit different. It's a, it's sort of like a bonus little podcast. I'm just I'm finishing up editing uh, a video for my YouTube channel, which brings me to the subject matter of this podcast. So I'm literally taking the audio from that video and I'm you know releasing it as a podcast episode, so you can listen to this or if you want to see the actual visuals. Uh, you know, see where we are. We were kind of me and China Mike were hanging out at Mikasa, and Nick was interviewing us. It's on initial communication, how to build a relationship with the supplier. In the video, I have like, you know, anecdotes as I'm talking, little text pop-ups and stuff like that. Um, there's also going to be, you know, links. I'll provide some links uh, within the video as well. So, at the in the description of the video. So if you want to check that out, cut this off. Go to YouTube. Type in. Source Find Asia, find our YouTube channel, or go to our website and click through, uh, you know, the link to to the actual video. But yeah, it's just an initial communication, how to build a relationship with suppliers. So I kind of break down, me and Mike break down the steps that we usually take and the mistakes that we see uh, people make when they're communicating with suppliers at the beginning, and how to present yourself, whether you're in China, whether you're outside of China. Just making sure that you're establishing a good relationship with your supplier from the get-go, um, and of course we have other videos up right now. There's, uh, you know, the day in the life, day one, day two is in the process of being finished editing. Uh, should be out in a few weeks, if not, you know, yeah, but I'll say a few weeks. Uh, we have five days in Nantong when I did QC in northern China for five days. Uh, we have, you know, four uh, do's and don'ts that buyers make before setting up an order um you know just a lot of good content i'm going to be like i said in a previous episode releasing a original video every two weeks and then releasing uh repurposing the podcast audio for videos so it's kind of meta because i'm repurposing the youtube channel uh video as audio for this podcast it's a little bit of a meta situation but yeah uh without further ado enjoy this or enjoy the youtube Cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. All right, guys. It's another video from Source Find Asia. This time we have the founder of SFA. China Mike is joining us. Today we're going to talk about how to build a relationship with your supplier. All right. Let's... So at, oh, at, the, at the very start, uh, can you walk me through the uh, points, kind of like the summary of what a typical uh, relationship building uh, process looks like with supplier from like the very beginning? How does it start? And what can you expect in terms of timeline and progression? Um, I think it, you have to approach it from a couple of different angles. Like if you're in China, that's a different angle. If you can speak Mandarin, it's a different angle. If you're outside of China, it's a different angle. So uh, I think if you're outside of China, expect it to take longer than you think. Uh, Mike's made this joke before where he says the, the Walmart thing. You're not the Walmart thing. You remember mm -hmm. that sometimes people treat China like a giant Walmart. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Like, yeah, just go to all three and pick up these uh, yeah. these gloves. So for you're me. in China, right? You wink, can get wink. that. You can get that, right? You're in China. Yeah, you're in China. It's, it's easy. And it's like, no, like... Let's make a, a few changes. Yeah, there's a process to everything that you do here, which includes finding the suppliers and the initial communication and all that stuff. So, like, if you're outside of China, being able to present yourself in a professional way that allows uh, the factory to kind of, like see that oh this guy's a serious buyer meaning like you're ans you're asking the right questions you've done your research you're presenting them with the information they need from the beginning whether it's design files or you know order quantities and timelines and things like that and then if you're if you're in china then you know being able to tell the factory hey i'm in china i can come and visit you guys they'll take you a little bit more seriously and then if you're working with somebody who speaks mandarin or you speak mandarin yourself again being able to hop in a call with the factory and and speak their language like that will shorten the process, but again, it's a different process for everything that you do at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I think um, showing face here is extremely important. Getting in front of people and um, you know showing that 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 you're real is, is important. But to answer your question, from where it starts, I think it's the research phase. Depending on the project, of course, you know you have to locate a potential supplier prior to, to having these these face-to-face -face meetings and a lot of that is based off their presentation online you know how their Alibaba site looks how their website looks um, most definitely their communication via WeChat or, or QQ initially it's how most factories you're gonna contact with communicate you know how quickly they respond um, how visual they are is important for me and initially finding a good supplier uh, we're in an age where everything's video, you know, you can send me s quick nine second WeChat snaps of, of the factory. What are you doing right now? Let me see your office right now. I think that I think that helps in establishing that early is is important, you know, just a good conversation flow and cons constant updates, really. So at the very beginning, when you're just finding factors, what would you say is like the 80-20? Like what are the 80% or the 20% of the interaction that yields 80% of results? Like what do you look for? And what are some of the questions that you ask and the things that you look for that people normally miss or normally don't look for? I think personally with, with us, like the most basic thing is, Mike touched on a few things, is the speed of communication. Are they answering all the questions that we're asking? Um, and then just if they can meet the minimum requirements, like, so if you have a target per unit cost, right? And let's say your target per unit cost is a dollar and 50 cents. And then this factory is quoting you $2. And, but you want to work with this factory because they look amazing on paper. It's like, it's just, you're starting off from such a different point in negotiation that it just doesn't make sense to even bother, you know? So like some, some certain minimums need to be in place. Um, I think some of the questions that we usually ask at the beginning is, if we're, we'll present them with a the product and say, we're looking for this product, these are the dimensions, this is the market that we're selling to, this is our order quantity, can you match that? These are some of the problems that we faced with dealing uh, with other suppliers, can you fix these problems? Um, and then can you hit this target per unit cost? Like the, those are the basic initial questions you're gonna ask. And then it depends on your product, right? So like some products have safety requirements, so you, like that's those are questions you should be asking from the get-go, if you're selling uh, a plastic water bottle to the U.S., it needs to be FDA certified. You can't just ship any water, plastic, plastic product. So you have to make sure the factory has those certifications in place. If they don't have them in place, then are they willing to actually go through that process? How long is that going to take? So those are the, some of the initial questions you want to be asking. And yeah, I mean, if they can't meet those requirements, like what is the point of 
communicating with them further. Right. Right. And how, how deep they look into your project for me is also really important when establishing a relationship w with what I consider to be a good supplier is you'll meet some people and right off the bat, how many units? How many units? How much are you going to pay? You can tell they're just thinking about, about the end goal, but a, a good factory will get to know your product, try to understand your situation and, and your order, what type of business you're doing. What does um, that look like exactly? What do you mean? Then getting to know them, not only hearing about the price, but then getting to know your business. Just asking in-depth questions about, about the product, you know, finding out if you have a sample, really researching the materials, uh, discussing how you're going to physically produce it, you know what what aspects of the product is uh, technology based, what what aspects of the project do you need manual labor, you know they'll dive into these subjects with you, if 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 they're a quality supplier. Yeah, and in terms of your customers that you guys get that uh, use your services to kind of be their office and their like man on the ground for dealing with Chinese factories. What do you see that uh, outsiders, some of the worst case scenarios, like what are the people, what are some of the potential customers or past customers that have done that have done like the worst case possible versus the best case? Like what's for you? Uh, in, terms of, in terms of initial communication? In terms of people's pers perspective of dealing with factories. Like what have you seen like the worst mm -hmm. of and the best of, of people coming in Maybe even guys and girls who haven't even been to China, but dealing with Chinese and like the perception they have of China, what's like some of the worst and some of the best that you've seen? I think the worst, you know, the story that I'm, I'm going to talk about is I'm not going to go into details in terms of the actual uh, product or whatever, but it was like, it was a bag. Um, the client approached us around Chinese New Year and he was just kind of like i need this product to be done before chinese new year mm -hmm. and it's like we've got like a month like we this is the first time we're communicating with this guy it's an original design we've got like a month and a half to complete the project he's, yeah. he's approached us he's saying like i have a factory lined up so in my mind when you say you have a factory lined up you've communicated with these guys they know your requirements it's just about like doing some vetting and then placing the order yeah. um so i was like okay in that situation like we're cutting two to three weeks to a month of communication um, and I'm like, all right, so we can take on the project because of that. But in reality, all he had done was find the factory, sent them one email, and then come to us and then like, I need this to be done before Chinese New Year. You've got a month and a half, go. And it's like, we're doing all the communication. It's like, it takes much longer than that. And your expectations of getting a product done well without doing any sort of upfront research and communication is just completely unrealistic. Anytime a, a client approaches me or works with a factory and they've only talked to like one or two suppliers and then they jump in without communicating everything up front is always, always, always a mistake. Yeah, one of the, some of the worst case scenarios you're going to find is just that like aggressive expectations yeah. of the production process, yeah. especially during the development stage. Like thinking that, oh yeah, we're just going to change this and that yeah. and we're going to get it done in three months. It, it, and I, that's I think, definitely where, where the most problems fall. I think what happens in those situations, and like I think that what hap that's what happened with this guy was, uh, he pretty much expected that the factory was going to design the product for him, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, they're a professional factory; they they'll know how to do everything." It's like, no, dude, that's not. You are the client. You are the seller. You need to come and give them the designs. You need to pick the materials, pick the colors. Like that's all falls on you. Yeah. If you expect the factory to do that, you're going to end up with a product that you're not happy with. Yeah. And it's it. And that, again, that stuff takes time. Like it takes two to three weeks to discuss these things 
look at samples, look at colors. Sometimes you might pick a color and then they'll come back and be like, we can't find it in the market. Like, this is a big back and forth. It's a big back and forth, yeah. What can you expect in terms of like original design or just finding a factory that produces like one specific product? What kind of timelines can a customer expect? Finding or just the whole process? Uh, the process. Um, I'd say at minimum six months to a year. That, so that's like for original design for product development yeah. product development yeah six yeah. months depending, depending on you have like the, the everything charted out you're right. just like now we need to find a producer like supplier to make this for me that takes six months to six, a year. six to six, six months, months to a year, to a year yeah wow. also depending on what kind of molds you need for the product that's sure that's yeah really or a new product yeah the fastest we've ever done uh original design development was six months and that was after we'd already gone through a year developing the first product and then we were like it was the same product but a completely different design yeah so we were not we now had like an established relationship with this factory so they they knew what our work style was and we were able to like skip a lot of steps because we'd done it before but like before it took a year plus you know and what about what about some of the best cases where the client comes in and you're just surprised like you're taken aback by wow this guy with this woman understands what China's about and how we work. Things move quicker, you know, when they're more organized and they have all the details of the product and production ready to go, they know exactly what they want. Things definitely flow smoother, but things still happen, you it's know. China. It's China, you're still going to run into roadblocks yeah. in the production you process. Say, like, to, to prepare, uh, how can a person mentally prepare for themselves for finding a supplier in China, whether it's original design or just copy white labeling the product? Like, what's the best mindset that a person can adapt coming into China? Keep in mind that even iPhones take like a year and a half to develop. Mm -hmm. Even Apple, that basically has their own factories in China, takes like a year and a half to develop their product. So why why would it take you less than that? So yeah, like I think it's just we have a better perspective when you come to China. Like it takes longer. Look at examples of huge uh, companies that have been established for a very long time and they still struggle with the Chinese market. Uber got kicked out of China. <laughs> Sorry. Uber got kicked out of China, basically. Like, I mean, they, they were got able... Paid out. They got paid out, but like, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, I mean, they tried. They spent two plus billion dollars and they were, were able to even corner 30% of the market, but then they still just couldn't compete. Yeah. Try not to have your whole business hinge around yeah. this product coming to market sooner than the timeline that, that we just said. That's, yeah, that's a good like, step. Just be, just, yeah, prepare, be patient. Like, I, I, whenever people ask me, like, what is the biggest lesson I've learned about business here is patience. I actually, like, you worded it well when I spoke to you last week about how somebody had told you, just whatever happens, don't get emotional about it. Don't breathe down their neck if they make a mistake. You can, but it's not going to help not you. Help it's it. not going to help. So you're just wasting, wasting your effort. I think that's a good way to keep yourself focused on how am I going to get this done? I think the person that told Nick that was moi. <laughs> there anyway, we go. Um, it's good advice, man. And, uh, <laughs> so speaking of development and uh, like finding the suppliers themselves, um, I have my own opinions on this, but I want to hear yours. How did it change going from an, uh, an outsider before you came to China or like being outside of China or the people that you speak to that are outside of China? How did they research suppliers versus how you guys research suppliers with having your, uh, your sourcing uh, agency here? Just, just to close off the last thing, because we said six months to a year for original design, yeah. but like 
OEM products, which is mostly white label and stuff, right. is like it could be a month to three months. Right. I'd say it's like faster. yeah, it's faster definitely a month if they have stock. Like if they have stock, it could be two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, just to close that out. I was just thinking the difference between the two would be you have quicker access to the factories here. You know, you can go travel to them, meet them, see their operation, and that. But even before that, even finding the factories, like okay. for example, out, as an outsider perspective, like I know for me personally, only Alibaba was available. Mm -hmm. uh, do you guys use any other tools other than Alibaba? Yeah, there's Chinese websites, global sources I've used in the past. I don't, I don't know how much. And one six eight eight. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a one six eight single eight. No, it's two eight eight. Sure. About yeah. Really? Yeah. There's also one six eight, okay. but it's a different okay. thing. Um, uh, we're gonna do a video specifically on those because I want to do a deep dive in the differences, and I want to take like screenshots showing you know the made in China also the made in China as well. But I think made in China is not as popular as it used to be. Right? Okay. Um, I think people also used to like sourcing companies used to sell on on made in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the three main obviously Alibaba is the most famous one, right? Yeah. Um, most of the time, you know, people are gonna be we search on Alibaba most of the time. However, you have to keep in mind that most of the suppliers listed there are trading companies. So you have to figure out a way of navigating, uh, you know, what is what is a factory, what is a trading company. Uh, global sources is, they take more time to vet each supplier. So they have less options, but the suppliers that are there tend to be more professional. Yeah. Um, and then 1688 is essentially the Chinese Alibaba. So like none of the factories, that were very few of them speak any sort of English whatsoever. So the one advantage of working with those guys is that you're gonna get cheaper prices for sure, but it's gonna be much more difficult to communicate. And they're also, sometimes they don't, they've never exported internationally before. So it's like, it's just, you have to weigh up those pros and cons. Like how, how important is it for you to save 10% on your per unit cost and then deal with a bunch of bullshit um, rather, yeah, rather than pay that extra 10% and work with a slightly more professional supplier that speaks English and is accustomed to exporting to the US or Canada or wherever. Plus we're working with a wide variety of suppliers, so sometimes we get quality recommendations from the suppliers that we're working with. Let them know about a new product or a problem we're having with production of one of our customers' lines and they might recommend someone else to us as well. Yeah, I, I think that I find it in the community, especially like the manufacturing community, I find that there's a lot of misconceptions and just lack of understanding of the Chinese supplier point of view. Can you mm. talk about that? Like how how do Chinese suppliers see foreigners reaching out to them on Alibaba or even coming in person like what do you guys do here in China? Um, how do they view it and what are their kind of driving factors? What are they trying to get out of the uh, interaction? Or what are their fears even better? I'm not sure about their fears. I mean, I imagine they're trying to build long-term relationships and have good customers, but that would be the end goal for the factories. You said in the lead up to the question, like some things that people should understand about Chinese factories. Um, you know, sometimes people, when they're not here, they're very sensitive to price changes from the factories. But, you know, in my 10 years working with Chinese factories, cost of living, cost of everything has just consistently gone up the whole time we're here. So the squeeze is real on these factories and it's more and more difficult for them to operate. 
you know, their their rents are going up, the cost of labor is going up, everything around them is becoming more expensive. So you have to be able to understand that and, and, and work with them a little bit when they do require certain bumps in prices.